What's up, everybody? It's Noah Alvarez here with another episode of the podcast. I know last time I spoke with you guys, I said we were going to have a different name by the time I released the next episode, but things have been taking a little longer than I'd expect to, but I still have a lot of great content, have the chance, have had the chance to record some good interviews, have some good ideas and shows on the way. So in the meantime, while the show continues to find its, uh, its new logo and the new name of this podcast, we are still going to put out content under the old Podfathers podcast logo. Hopefully, I don't think we're going to run into any trouble, but you know, just to kind of give you guys a heads up on what's going to happen. So basically, yeah, we're going to continue to put out podcasts as if we were normally being run while we wait for the new logo and the new podcast design. Again, shout out to Vince Correa, who's the design person working on the logo. Also, shout out to Generic Sports, who's playing the instrumental in the background. Now, the day I'm recording this is Monday, April 15th. Hope you guys are having a wonderful April so far. April's an exciting month, especially for sports fans. You just had the Masters. Props to Tiger Woods, who just won his Masters tournament, um, the 2019 Masters tournament. What a comeback story he's had, the three back surgeries, the whole DUI incident. Uh, he's just had a, he's faced a lot from the Achilles injury to the MCL injury. He's, he's faced a lot of different adversities and to see this, this climb basically back to the top, it was very emotional. Tiger Woods is an Orange County native. I don't really follow golf at all. So, you know, I'm not gonna go into very great detail here, but props to Tiger Woods. Always love seeing people out of Orange County succeed. Also, the NFL draft this month, that's an exciting time for me. I love scouting prospects. I have a, a scouting, a lot of scouting profiles going on. If you don't follow me on Twitter, at underscore Noah Alvarez, I'm starting a thread. I write for Last Word on Pro Football, and I've doing a lot. I've been doing a lot of scouting profiles. I think we're gonna have a mock draft in the next week too, as well. So the week of the draft, hopefully, we're gonna put out a mock draft with some of my friends here at the Pod Fathers Podcast, or just <laughs> excuse me, the podcast. And um, as we're going through the rebranding process, also April is the time for NHL NBA playoffs. Yes, the NHL and the NBA playoffs has started. They started. Um, over the past week, and we've gone off to an exciting start. A lot of upsets, not only in the NHL, but in the NBA playoffs as well. And um, yeah, and it seems to me like everyone, everyone I know and everyone I see and all these podcasts that I listen to, they're all on this Game of Thrones hype. But to be honest, I, I've never watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. I'm super proud to say that because... I do not get caught up in these false realities. I'm going to sit here and enjoy life as it is and watch some real stuff like the NBA playoffs, like the NHL playoffs, um, and like some of the other <laughs> exciting sports that we have going on. Um, just living life, you know, not getting caught up in some of these overhyped TV shows and these fantasy worlds and what, it, what have you not. Nonetheless, moving on to this week's show. Like I said, I'm recording this on Monday, April 15th, but the episode, the discussion, the interview I'm going to replay you was recorded back on April 5th. This was during my trip to Dallas, Texas, and I believe I'm going to have a episode about my trip to Dallas, Texas, because it was that interesting, that entertaining that I want to share with you guys. I'll probably do that with Jacob Fanshawe in the coming week or two. But what was cool about my trip to Texas, I was out there visiting some family friends of mine, and they introduced me to some of their friends, one of the uh, one of the daughters of the family that I know, I basically spent most of the trip with her and she introduced me to a lot of her friends, some of her friends from high school and college. And one of her friends is Ian Clark. Now, Ian Clark is a pianist slash keyboardist slash just an artist and musician. Um, he is from the Denton area of Texas. If you don't know where Denton is, it is about 30 to 45 minutes away from the Dallas area, which was mainly where I was staying at and exploring in that realms. But he's an artist that has performed with pretty big name artists. He's performed more than dozens of shows. He's toured all over Texas, even toured different parts of the United States. You might not have heard of him, but hopefully after this interview, you will go check out of his work because I've checked out some of his stuff and it's pretty entertaining. A lot different from my realm of music as well. I'm a big hip hop fan, but his name is Ian Clark. You can check his stuff out at www.soundcloud.com slash Ian Jeremy Clark. There's no underscores or anything there, just Ian Jeremy Clark, no capitalizations either. But yeah, I had I sat down and had a conversation with him. I, I wanna say I met him the second day of my trip in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we were exploring Denton and he met us up. He met my friend and I up in Denton, Texas. We got some pizza, but just talking to him, he seemed like a very interesting dude, musician, 
He's sharing some stories of his performances and what he's done, the projects that he's done, and different stuff that he's lived because he's a musician. You know, he's had different experiences, and he grew up in Texas, so it's a lot different than the California musicians that I know and the California artists and the people that want to make it in that industry that I know from out here. So it was very cool. I thought on the second to last day, hey, like, let's sit down, have a podcast. I brought my microphone, bought my laptop. And of course, you know, I'm always ready to record a podcast anywhere, basically. Um, And so I sat down with him and we had a fun conversation talking about, you know, how he got into the music. He's all self-taught. I don't want to spoil too much of the interview, but, you know, he had a very interesting bring up in the music industry because his family was very involved in the music industry. So, of course, he gets involved in the music industry, self-taught. He kind of goes through his performances, his concerts. He shares his experiences as life on life. He shares experiences with life on the road, um, his tours and all that fun stuff. He also talks about, you know, where he sees himself in three to five years in his career. Some of his biggest influencers, what music, you know, what music and artists he finds himself relating to a lot. And it's a, just a, an overall fun conversation, especially for me, because it was really outside my comfort zone. And I didn't, you know, didn't think I'd have that much fun recording a conversation I didn't think I'd have that much fun interviewing a person in a different music industry. Like I said, very interesting dude right off the bat when I met him. So it was a fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy the interview as I did, as much as I did interviewing him. Again, you can check his stuff out at soundcloud.com slash Ian Jeremy Clark. He's actually the instrumental that I'm playing in the background as of right now. So I'll be sure to play more of his stuff and be sure to send more of his links and all that at the end of the episode. But again, I'm Noah Alvarez, and I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with Ian Clark. What was your first musical experience, and when did you know you kind of had a gift or you had a likeness for being a musician? Uh, well, uh, I started whenever I was 10 years old, um, so I've been playing for about 15, 16 years. You know, whenever you're first learning an instrument, you kind of go through that whole awkward phase. If you're not, you know, doing any lessons or anything like that, which I didn't. I'm all self-taught. Okay. Um, the only lessons that I ever had was uh, one year at MSU. And um, so whenever you're kind of just figuring stuff out on your own, it, it takes quite a bit longer than someone just telling you how to do something. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, so you, it's just nothing but hours just sitting there. Um, so, you know... it. For for a while there, it was nothing but pressing buttons and not really knowing a whole lot of what I was doing. Um, but you know, two years two years in, uh, three years in, um, you know, I, I kind of slowly started kind of figuring out you know tritones and uh, uh, chords and everything. That was fun. That kind of changed the whole game <laughs> for me. It's like wow, I can press three buttons yeah. like all at once and it'll make this really cool sound. Um, so I remember, um, I remember whenever I really started getting into chords and stuff, um, the, the, the musical growth was pretty exponential and it was really, really fast. Uh, and then I started playing like my first gigs when I was like, uh, 14 or 15. Okay. Wow. So yeah. early starting. Yeah. Super early. Uh, you know, our dad was a musician all, his entire life. He's, he's been playing guitar since he was like, uh, uh, 16, I think okay. or something like that. Oh yeah. So he, uh, he did uh, 80s hair metal, and um, uh, yeah, so he, he was a shredder back in the day. Wow. Um, and then, uh, so with with our growing up, it was nothing but injecting us with uh, like 80s metal, um, and then with like me personally, uh, like progressive music, uh, like Dream Theater, um, which it, Dream Theater was my first tattoo whenever I turned 18. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so, it, it, you know, music has been, like, a gigantic part of our lives, obviously, being a uh, uh, being a whole family of musicians, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, my brother Nathan uh, um, has soaked in, I think, a lot more musicality and musicianship <laughs> than I think I do, for sure, because he's he, him being a multi-instrumentalist, uh-huh. um, like, he's he's just a monster on drums and guitar and stuff, so... Um, just being brought into that world uh, so early on, it's I think it's really made a huge difference into where we're at right now. Okay. Um, uh, you know, kind of, um, uh, I guess I guess kind of um, 
contrasted against someone who who would start way way later you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i don't know i don't know it's just there's just something about being brought up in that environment for literally your entire life where it's just like you're being told uh like yeah this is probably what you're gonna do for the yeah. rest of your life and, <laughs> and, you, and you're okay with that and you practice a lot and you kind of make sure it happens you know? yeah was there yeah. you mentioned that your dad was uh, a musician himself mm-hmm. did he have was there outside pressure from your parents to kind of go into that music industry or was that kind of just you finding your own niche yeah there wasn't really any pressure at all we just like i said we all kind of just know that this is what we're supposed to be doing um just because whenever um whenever you just work so hard at one thing mm-hmm. uh for so many years i mean it just kind of becomes one of those things where it's like it's like, man, if this doesn't work out, it's like, I don't know, I don't know what the hell <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. Because, um, uh, you know, for me, I mean, it's been nothing but 15 years solid of uh, of just hard practice, you know, of trying to get to where I need to be. Um, uh, but no, nah, there, there wasn't really any pressure at all. Um, if anything, there's more pressure to get like a, a normal day job, you know, sit yeah. in a cubicle and everything, uh, you know, not just from... Um, uh, you know, our parents or anything, but, you know, outside society, that that's kind of a view True. on things, you know, um, people don't really, I, I know it sounds kind of cliche and weird, uh, but it's like people really don't know a life of a musician unless like they're really, really closely related to one. Mm-hmm. Um, because, it's, you know, I, I hear that all the time, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you should just get a regular job. And it's like, <laughs> I would love to. I would love to be half as good at anything uh, than I am at piano. Then I, I think I'd be a lot better off than I am. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that your first show was at 14 years old. Can you go back and tell me that experience? What was that like? I mean, as a 14 year old, where were you performing at? Um. So my, my dad um had a bunch of uh had a bunch of buds back in the day. Um, just th- this very specific group of guys, uh, Russ Grissom, uh, Scott Hill, um, uh, Russell Lincoln. Uh, now, uh, we- we've all known each other for a long, long time. Uh, so they started a band like, uh, I think early 2000s uh, uh, era, probably like 2003 or something like that, 2004 maybe. Um, they had a band called Plain Jane. Uh, they played for a while. Excuse me. And... Um, uh, they kind of shifted their genre over to more like country, uh, Texas rock, Southern rock, mm-hmm. uh, very blues uh, okay, based, yeah. you know. Um, and then they ended up calling that band Grissom Hill, uh, which is Russ's last name and Scott's last name, obviously. So, yeah. um, uh, so I played with them for a while. Uh, that that was like my first um, uh, my first way of getting uh, to do shows because they were like, hey, you know, you play keyboards. Uh, I probably wasn't very good back then, you know. I, I do have YouTube videos of, like, 13, 14-year-old me wow. uh, uh, playing Daft Punk, uh, some Owl City, some Chromio <laughs> on a on a little shitty microcord, man, with shitty audio, too. <laughs> it's so bad. But, man, those are – that was crazy yeah, times, you got to start from somewhere. Exactly. So, um, so I think one of the very first things um, – that I did was definitely something with Grissom Hill. I, I don't know the exact place, but um, but I do have a really vivid one from, I think I was 14 or 15. Uh, my dad was also in another band called Saints and Saviors, I believe it was, um, with this uh, uh, guitar player and frontman, Chris Osborne, awesome musician, uh, based in DFW. Okay. Um, uh, I got to play with them at the Ridgely Theater in downtown Dallas. Uh, it's like one of the it, it used to be a really really big venue um and it still is now i don't think they put on a lot of shows anymore because i know they they kind of have something where they kind of shut down for a minute but originally theater uh if you ask anybody down there it's like it's a huge venue and a lot of a lot of big people have played there which is pretty cool to be in those kind of situations where it's like you're playing on the same stage as like all these other people mm-hmm. um uh, but yeah, that was that was a really really big one. That was the first time I had like professional photography uh, done at a show ever. Okay. Um. So there's there's definitely pictures of me out there like on MySpace because that was back <laughs> in those days. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's definitely a MySpace picture of me somewhere with like some spotlight because they let me do a piano solo and it was a big deal, man. It was, that was a cool little show. But um. But yeah, that that was kind of my first little taste into actually being like a performer. 
and like doing that whole thing. And another, um, another way that I got into performing really, uh, pretty heavily was I was in high school band, uh, all through high school and okay. junior high. Um, so I was involved in a lot of competitions. Um, I was in percussion ensemble. Uh, I always did, uh, I always did brass quartets or sextets or something like that. Um, and I always had a solo too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'd go and we'd do our competitions there. We did marching, we did concert season. So all my entire high school career was like nothing but preparing for concerts, um, playing brass cause I played brass and like all these other instruments. So, yeah. um, it, it really high school band, uh, really helped a lot in kind of, um, knowing my practice techniques, um, Cause I could sit down for a good seven hours of practice and I wow. fully attribute that to like being in high school band and caring so much about the music and everything. Okay. Um, so, um, and, uh, my band director was, uh, Kenneth Gilbreth. He's a really cool guy. And now he's based in, uh, Austin, uh, where he kind of teaches at a five, a or six, a school, I think, uh, somewhere around there. Uh, it's Bastrop. So, okay. um, yeah, so right around that Austin area with all those guys doing, doing crazy, uh, you know, bands full of like 140 people, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's super crazy now, but, um, but yeah, so that was kind of my, my little, uh, my little introduction into performing and stuff like that. So it sounds like high school and everything, you were really deep involved in the, the musician life. Exactly. Did that did that take away from anything like school wise or just anything other social teenagers go through at the high school? Do you feel like you missed out on anything or was that kind of like your passion? Well, um, I mean, yeah, I, I missed out on some stuff, but it wasn't due to music at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like. I was just kind of a person that didn't really have a lot of friends, you know? So, and, and I fully attribute that to, um, you know, playing piano whenever I was like, uh, 10, 11 and 12 years old, you know, um, I was, I was just sitting in my room for, uh, for hours, you know, just after school, spending that time in front of the piano, even though it was just mindless, nothing that I was playing, I was still, (laughs) you know, trying to figure some stuff out and the Actually, fun fact, the very first thing that I ever learned how to play on piano whenever I was 10 years old was the uh, the main menu theme music for Halo. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the throwback. very first thing I ever, like, picked out by myself, by ear, on a keyboard, was was the Halo theme song. And it's, yeah, I, I still remember that. But yeah, I, I, I didn't have a lot of friends, so mm. it you know, all I had was music and, and it's still, and it's still very much like that for me today. Uh, uh, you know, I, I have, I have a lot of friends now, you know, um, a lot of cool peeps in the, uh, kind of the, the music scene here in Denton, uh, a lot of people over in Wichita. Um, but I, I spend the majority of my time listening to music, uh, studying music, um, and playing music pretty much. So, um, and it, you know, as far as school goes, I mean, I was never really, I, I I was I was like a C and D student. <laughs> okay. Through. I mean, but yeah. it, it was all the way from like elementary school, you know, which, you know, yeah, it is whatever. what it is. Yeah. yeah, it is what it is. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. And, uh, um, you know, things things have turned out pretty pretty well. You know. Mm-hmm. So tell me about a little bit where you're at now, as far as your musician. Do you play in the band, or what you got going on right now? Um. So right now, the main thing uh, that's uh, paying my bills. Uh, so to speak, I'm playing with uh, James Cook. Um, we have yet to figure out a band name, so if you have any suggestions, because it's going to be James Cook and something. So one band that I really enjoy um, uh, the name of is uh, Conan's band, Conan O'Brien on, uh, uh, well, he was on TBS for a while. I don't know what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the Conan show, they have that whole band. Well, they're called the Basic Cable Band. So mm-hmm. it's like Conan O'Brien and the Basic Cable Band. That just sounds so cool to me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, uh, the guys from Wolfpack uh, already took the Fearless uh, Flyers because uh, I wanted to get that one. But uh, <laughs> I figured out that that was the thing. And I was like, okay, so I guess that's not going to be it. So uh, I'm playing with James Cook right now. Uh, we just got done with like a four-week uh, tour of doing festivals because um, everybody knows festival month is like March and you know, March Madness and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, March is just prime real estate for festivals. South by, we played South by, um, and then we played, uh, the outlaws and legends festival where, uh, Chris Christopherson was headlining the whole thing. Um, 
uh, and they actually used some of my equipment there for uh, for some of the keyboards. I was the only one there with a with a two tiered uh, keyboard stand, so okay. it, ha- it can hold two different keyboards. Right. Um, so they ended up just lobbing uh, ten to fifteen thousand dollars worth of keyboards on my keyboard stand, and I got to play it. Um, so that was super fun. Um, and then we played the uh, St. Patrick's Festival in Wichita, which is always a huge deal in Wichita. That's like one of my favorite festivals to go to, mm-hmm. uh, just because like not not only is it like your hometown people, um, but I mean everybody comes out for it. There's so much support for um, uh, for that festival, which is really nice because um, that's like the first time I've heard of a St. Patrick's Festival being yeah. like that big, you know. Uh, so it's really cool, and. Um, and while I'm not doing that, um, I do all of my own solo producing, um, just kind of by myself in a little bedroom. Um, and then uh, me and my brother uh, have our own band called Empty Angels. Uh, we released a CD last year um, called Augmented Reality for Ugly Lovers. You can find it on Spotify and, uh, and everywhere else, Bandcamp too. So we, you know, we record all that in our little bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the name of the game right now, you know, just doing everything ourselves and producing everything ourselves, mixing, mastering, and uh, and all that. Um, and then uh, we try and gig as much as we can uh, with that group. Uh, but we also, me and him are also in another group called Allegheny Drive. We've been in that band for about four years, I wow. think, three or four years. Yeah, that, that one's kind of a throwback band for us uh, <laughs> uh, with our uh, friends, uh, Mackie Devine and uh, Daniel. And uh, we had our little thing uh, with, uh, or have currently, uh, we have our deal with uh, Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup. Uh, we're working on our CD with him. Nice. Uh, but, you know, uh, his schedule is like super crazy, but so is ours, you know. So it's kind of a slow process uh, whenever you get more into the kind of professional world um, and was a, a professional producer, you know, because, you know, Jarrett's touring with Bowling for Soup uh, like every every couple every couple quarters, you know, because wow. it's like I know he does like a UK thing for like the entire fall season uh, and then he comes back for, uh, you know, a couple months. But uh, he's got he's got all these other bands that he produces as well. He has his own um, uh, label, which I, I believe is called Band in Texas. And if I'm wrong about that, uh, I'll, I'll probably send uh, an edit for that. Um, but I'm 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 90 percent sure that it's called Band in Texas. Uh, that's his that's his whole thing. Um, and he does all of his producing. I know he produces another band, uh, Not Your Girlfriends. Um, uh, which is a pretty cool band, you know, it's all pop punk and everything, uh, just right down that alley of, of Bowling for Soup, you know, it's all that pop punk and everything. Um, and then he just released a new CD with his friend Kelly from the Dolly Rots, and, uh, um, I think it's called, uh, I, I think it's just called Jarrett and Kelly Sitting in a Tree, I believe, is that? Oh, album? okay, nice. You can also find that on Spotify and everything. Probably. And, uh, and then all the Allegheny Drive music, that's all on, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that, so... Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of what preoccupies my time right now. Yeah, seems I'm, like yeah, seems like you're very busy. You got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Uh, it's nice to be able to do um, music kind of as your main gig, mm-hmm. uh, rather than having to have like a, a full time job, um, and then having all of your energy sucked out from that full time job, uh, mm-hmm. and then you have to find this imaginary energy from somewhere <laughs> within you, right? Uh, to go and do these gigs until um, two in the morning. Uh, and then you got to go and then, and then hit your cubicle after that. Like it's yeah. just, it, it's, it's a rough time. So I'm, I'm extremely lucky to be able to like do what I do. Yeah. Know? I can only imagine trying to have your foot both in both worlds. That must be pretty difficult. Exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, um, you know, it's definitely something that I admire of other people who are able to, um, just be total workhorses mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and put just as much energy into music as they do. Um, their normal day jobs if they have one right. um, but the usually the musicians who who end up not really having a day job um, their job is music and and it really shows which which also I appreciate you know mm-hmm. I appreciate the musicians who um, just work a- as hard as you, you possibly can because that's the only way we can do it out here you know mm-hmm. so. so you mentioned touring earlier and I know mm-hmm. you just came back from a tour around Texas what's your favorite part about being on the road and doing that tour life um, I'm a big road tripper, man. I can sit in a car for, uh, probably days. Oh, wow. I'm okay. a huge road tripper. We went, um, we went on a week jaunt over to Tennessee. So we hit up, uh, uh, Memphis and we had a couple shows in Nashville. 
Um, so, you know, that, that wasn't a bad drive, but man, Nashville was totally, totally cool. Yeah. Man. Uh, it was, it was not as like country based as I thought it was going to be. The first band that we ended up seeing was a funk band. Oh no. Uh, oh yeah, man. With this, <laughs> uh, this keyboard player with a Nord stage and everything. Uh, yeah. The keyboard player was like super cool. They had a whole horn section. Um, they had like backup singers and everything. Uh, it was super cool. And they opened with Bruno Mars. So I was just like, it was so cool, mm -hmm. man. And I was right there, right up in front, just singing some Bruno Mars at the top of my lungs. Yeah. So it was, it was super cool, man. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge road tripper. It, it's nothing but hours of just, you you put your headphones in, uh, and you just listen to music and, or, or maybe a podcast, if that's your thing. Um, I, I, uh, I, I end up just strictly listening to music most of the time, like 95% of the time. Um, and w it's only whenever I really exhaust all of my music that I, you know, put on some Joe Rogan or something like that and just kind of chill out and give my brain a rest. Mm -hmm. But, you know, on road trips, uh, that's the time to like really get some work done, uh, believe it or not. Because yeah. now um, you can just travel with your laptop. Uh, everybody's got hotspots, so True. you can you can have internet pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really good space to actually get a lot of business done, um, or a lot of studying too, which is you know my big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a really good time, especially if you got a bunch of your buds. You know, you're all crammed in a in a Tahoe, you know, <laughs> and and you're sleeping in the back seat while everyone gets you know the floor of a hotel or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. it's. <laughs> it's a glamorous life for sure. <laughs> you mentioned Nashville. Where are some other places that you've been able to venture out and what's the furthest place you've gone on the tour? Um, the well, um, I played the Vans Warp Tour uh, in Florida. Um, in, uh, in St. Pete, I played with Bully for Soup. Wow. Um, uh, that was definitely uh, not only one of the biggest shows um, uh, capacity-wise, because, uh, I mean, this Vans Warped Tour, man, it was awesome. Yeah. And I got to play after um, uh, Dance, Gavin Dance, one of my, like, biggest, biggest metal bands that I'm into right now. Uh, Tillian, man, uh, the singer, or the Cleans. Mm -hmm. uh, he is so, he is so good. Tillian has his own, like, solo thing, and it's, it's just so, so, so good. Um, and, uh, and I just can't believe I got to play after them. It was really cool. Um, but, um... But yeah, uh, so not only was it the biggest one capacity-wise, but it definitely put a lot into perspective on as far as where I want to be mm. in my music career, or at least where I want to end up. Uh, because you play something like that, and you and you see like the thousands of people out there, like crowd surfing and like having the best time of their lives in that moment. And, and you get to be a part of creating that moment for them. Yeah, you're almost and providing the moment. Exactly. And and it it put a lot into perspective, man. Uh, so e ever since then, I, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, I will never forget that feeling that I had, like walking up on that stage and then like hitting uh, hitting a bass note on my organ and, and hear it just rattle the stage at Warped Tour, man. Mm. It was it was pretty surreal. Even thinking about it right now, it's almost like it didn't happen. It, it's almost like it wasn't real at all. Mm -hmm. So you feel growing up in Texas, because from what I've learned in my short time here, <clears throat> it seems like there's a pretty big music scene in Dan and stuff. But do you feel like that you, helps kind of get you in tune with the other artists or maybe draw inspiration from there? Oh, for sure. Um, uh, especially uh, smaller towns like Denton, but even DFW, man. Um, if you, if you just take that incentive and go out and see shows, like even by yourself, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to take anybody. Um, you can just go, um, and, and you can just strictly network with people. Um, cause there's so many people down here, uh, for booking, um, performing just, uh, there's a whole lot, man. And it's, uh, you know, I, I hear the word saturated thrown around a lot, but, um, I don't really like the idea of saturation so much as just variety. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think I think variety is a much better term to use because because I do I do hear saturation quote unquote uh, <laughs> just kind of being thrown around as as if as if that's like a bad uh, yeah. thing to have like more just because or, you know maybe it's a genre thing. Uh, I don't really know personally. I don't really get too involved in kind of the 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 personal politics of everything. You know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I love a little bit of variety, and I, I think variety is a pretty good quality to have in a city, 
because you can just flock more people to your city if you know the more variety you have exactly um uh but yeah man like with, with all the people here uh especially in din man i gotta shout out the din peeps man uh uh i know i know some cool dudes down here um uh my my friends bad dad jokes um uh kyoto lo-fi is a really big band that i'm i'm really into down here uh mr breakfast is a really nice kind of gazy band you know um uh just all of those dudes man uh everyone is super super cool um and and you know nowadays you can actually find engineers to engineer your music Mm -hmm. uh uh, you know, my brother, Nathan Clark, being one of them, uh, he um, is producing uh, for Flowerbed. Uh, he produced a little bit for Bad Dad Jokes. Um, so, uh, you know, you know, Nathan being a producer, uh, Michael Briggs, a great, great producer. Shout out to him. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a couple more in Denton that I'm kind of uh, obviously uh, mm-hmm. forgetting here, but... Um, there, there's just, uh, just like I said, there's so much variety now, uh, which is pretty awesome. And it, and it's even more awesome that everybody can do anything in a bedroom. Yeah. And like, that's kind of the time that we live in right now. Right. And, uh, and that's, it's, that's wild. That mm-hmm. is wild to me. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I hear, I hear other producers kind of talking about it all the time. Joel, uh, or dead mouse, you know, he, he says the same thing. Some kid could be sitting in a bedroom with a laptop and, and just make a hit, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> just because of the times that we're living in right exactly. now. Exactly. It's, it's wild, man. It's the same thing for even the podcast world. I mean, even on my side of things, I don't have a studio. I just, like I told you before the show, I, I record remotely. You know, we're doing this in a bedroom. So exactly. it's kind of wherever I can get the mic and a laptop and stuff like that. Exactly. Record. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a great time to to be living in, in, a, in a time like that mm-hmm. where, where we can just uh, pack everything up in a bag and go and then do whatever we need to do. Um, and then just get shit done, you know? Mm-hmm. So before we started recording, you showed me a little bit of some of the latest things you produced. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, cause you seem to find a really nice little niche. What kind of inspired you and what are your biggest inspirations of that genre that you like listening to and you kind of draw inspiration from? Well, um, I guess the biggest thing is kind of electronic music in general. And, um, uh, cause you know, just like I said earlier, um, uh, in my early life, I was really brought up on progressive music like Rush, uh, Dream Theater, uh, Yes, and all that. Um, uh, just really heavily Dream Theater based um, and, uh, and 80s and stuff like that. Dio, you know. Uh, so whenever um, whenever I was in like, you know, kind of the sixth grade, so probably around like, you know, 13, 14 or 15, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I think that's a really good age for most people that, you know, they really start, you know, figuring some shit out, you yeah. know. Um, and for me, like most of that shit that I was figuring out was all music. Um, so uh, whenever YouTube kind of came about out of nowhere in like 2005, 2006, you know, um, or at least that's kind of where um, that's kind of whenever I got into it. It really it really gave me a good um, way to listen to new music that I otherwise I would not have had access to whatsoever because the only mm-hmm. CDs that we ever had uh, were metal and all that stuff. Right. Um, uh, so my first kind of dive into EDM and electronic music was uh, just heavy techno, man. Tiesto <laughs> yeah. and uh, DJ Mangu, shout out. Um, uh, DJ Satori. You know, all that, all that stuff, man. Mm. Uh, Eurodance and just uh, uh, pretty much any uh, uh, any genre like that. You know, trance and uh, just all that. Um, I got really, really into hard style too. It was that that was a crazy time. That was a crazy time for music <laughs> for sure. Because uh, I mean, I don't think I was the only one listening to uh, Tiesto or right. uh, you know Eurodance or anything like that. Uh, uh, from what I understand, two thousand six was the height of techno and and all that stuff so um i got really really heavily into that um and uh one of the bands that uh electronically based that i that i really draw a lot of my inspiration from is um believe it or not owl city Mm -hmm. um i watched 
uh, this dude on YouTube, Mitchell Davis, uh, he had a channel called Live Lava Live. That's probably a throwback to anybody listening to this and who kind of knows what I'm talking about. They're probably like, holy shit, he did not just bring up Live Lava Live. <laughs> For sure, dude. I was an av- I, I, I've been an avid YouTube guy. Yeah. Uh, like since the freaking beginning for me, man, like 2005, like it's, I've been so invested in YouTube even now, man. Um, I, I, you know, I have a couple channels, you know, I do some ASMR, I do some, uh, I do some music, you know, I'm kind of, you know, kind of all over the place. Um, just because I've, I've also been listening to like ASMR, um, uh, since 2006. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, all of the, all of those really, really early dudes that obviously aren't around anymore. Um, when it, cause ASMR wasn't a thing in 2006 mm-hmm. and, and being in the podcast world, I'm surprised that it's not more prevalent because, um, because a lot of people just listen to podcasts or, or anything like that, just to be, uh, just as a relaxing experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I like, I guess I'm just a person who likes providing those experiences for people. You know, if, if someone wants to relax, I can make a video where they can just kind of shut off a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, lay down dim the lights and just kind of not have to think about anything and, and just be able to sit back, relax, listen to some chill, uh, ASMR, um, and just have a good time with it. But, uh, uh, but you know, away from the YouTube stuff. So I watched this dude on YouTube, Mitchell Davis. Um, and, uh, he used a lot of really cool music in his videos, like for his outros and just kind of, uh, general music in his throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. uh and one of the first videos that i ever watched of his um had an outro of an old owl city song from the very first well back then it would have been the ver- the only cd that he had out mm-hmm. uh which was called of june and it was fuzzy blue lights and um and it was like that ending little chorus hook uh that he outroed with and i was like what the hell is that yeah um so um uh, you know, luckily, even even back then in the YouTube days, people are like, hey, what's the song name? Mm-hmm. Uh, only back then they weren't saying Darude Sandstorm every single time because uh, that wasn't a thing then. Yeah, and, right. and actually, people were listening to that song before it became a meme. Uh-huh. <laughs> people were listening to it unironically, including me, because it's awesome. It's a great song. Um, so uh, so someone shouted it out. It was Owl City. Um, and then I ended up looking up Alice City and, um, and it just kind of launched from there. I've been, uh, I, I've been a fan of Alice City since then and kind of just that upbeat, um, electro pop genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cool. And I, I know a lot of people kind of think that th- that very specific electro pop, uh, Alice City slash, uh, postal service kind of sound. Uh, is very like early early two thousands is mm-hmm. what you know it's referred to as if that's like a negative thing. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think there needs to be a lot more positive music like that because like if anybody who knows Owl City, it's super upbeat, very very positive lyrics, uh, g- kind of dream esque, dreamy, mm-hmm. and and very chill. Um, I, I think I think more music needs to be. Uh, geared towards that maybe not needs to be mm-hmm. because this is just my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. this is my this is my hot take you know <laughs> um uh but you know because i mean i can enjoy uh aggressive stuff like death grips and everything i can enjoy that any day of the week too um but for me personally like it gives me a lot of satisfaction to be able to make um positivity through music mm. um so that's been uh that's been a huge source and i think anybody um, can attest to that. You said uh, you said earlier that you ended up um, uh, interviewing another guy uh, who was really into rave and really into EDM and stuff. Um, I'm sure that guy could could even attest to that. Like, anytime you go to a rave and anytime you go and and listen to EDM, uh, even well by yourself, but you know with a group of people too, um, it is it's always a positive experience. Mm-hmm. Very rarely is it ever a negative experience because. Uh, that kind of music isn't negative in any way. Like all, all the electronic, at least the stuff that I listen to, um, there's, there's nothing negative about it, man. It's nothing but positivity, I think. So, yeah. Uh, you know, dead mouse is another really, uh, uh, huge inspiration, not only through, um, uh, Joel's music and everything, but, uh, he does these live streams, uh, of him just producing 
So you you get to watch him work all of the plugins that he uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to watch him build songs, and um, and usually he's talking through it. He, he's talking you through his process and like what he's doing. Uh, so I think a lot more producers. Um, I think it would be awesome if more producers did that because um, I know live streaming is a little bit of a bitch, you yeah. know, uh, as far as like trying to get the bandwidth for something like that, uh-huh. especially trying to produce music like off the, excuse me, off the fly. Um, uh, I, from from what I understand, uh, Joel is is kind of the head runner right now for something like that. So, um, yeah, it, just anything electronic, I, I'm just so so invested in, uh, just because. Um, all, all electronic stuff kind of stems back to um, classical music, mm-hmm. um, you know, believe it or not. You know, a lot of the same stuff is used, uh, you know, a lot of the same theory and uh, and all that stuff. You know, uh, I, I always think uh, how interesting it would be to bring someone like Mozart or mm-hmm. or uh, or Beethoven or Bach uh, or, you know, anyone Tchaikovsky, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, bring any one of them to this time period and 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 see their reaction to one of their pieces being played on a modular setup mm-hmm. where nobody is touching a thing and everything is happening in these little synth modules that mm-hmm. you just hook everything together and everything just works yeah um it would be super interesting because i i've heard um i've heard the notion uh that that classical music wasn't meant for that time uh it, it was actually meant so much more for this this time period you know Mm. which is it's such an interesting thing to think about honestly because you think about the music of those days and just and how many centuries have passed since then Mm -hmm. um and and to to just think about you know what it would be like to show them one of their centuries old pieces being played on a modular setup that that is like two extremes complete opposite ends of the spectrum right like meeting in this perfect way it's so crazy yeah. So it like the the world of electronic music, um, uh, there there's I think there's still quite a ways to go. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. That's an interesting take. I never thought of music in that aspect. It actually sprung up this next question: If you could tour with anyone, dead or alive, who would you want to go on a tour with? Oh man, oh man, that's a <laughs> that's a tough one. If I was more technical, I would love to tour with uh, maybe Jordan Rudis, mm-hmm. uh, the the keyboardist for Dream Theater. Um, he does all of his own solo stuff too. He, he's just an all around great, uh, amazing keyboardist. What am I even saying? Um, uh, this other band called uh, uh, Arc Echo uh, is this new, well, not new progressive band, uh, but they, they only have one album out right now. Uh, they're they're just now releasing their um, they're just now releasing their second album. Uh, Joey Izzo is the keyboardist for that band. Um, he would, I, I feel like I could learn a lot from him too. Uh, just being on, being on tours, something like that. Cause that's kind of what tour is all about for me. It's all about going to these new places, uh, meeting all these new people, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much learning as much as I can from everybody that I come into contact with, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of, uh, I think that's the name of the game. Uh, you know, yeah. So, um, I think, um, I think I think that's pretty much open, man. I I would be down to tour with literally anybody, man. It does, it doesn't matter. I think I think we all just have a love of music, you know, and mm-hmm. and we can you know doesn't matter what genre we're playing. I think we could all we could all get well along well together. You yeah. Know? So we talked a little bit about your past, and we talked a little bit about the present right now. I'm sure you know everyone that's kind of in that mid twenty range get access get asked this. But what's kind of where you see yourself in let's say three to five years in your industry? Um, well, hopefully, um, you know, I'm playing a little bit bigger places. Um, music as a whole is kind of a slow burn, you know, um, I think most musicians will, uh, attest to that. Um, it's, de- it's definitely a marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you, you could, through, through anybody's musician journey, um, I think everybody just hopes to, to, uh, you know, get a little bit lucky, honestly, that, mm-hmm. that, you know, there, there's definitely a sense of luck that has to, um, be there to be able to like contribute to, uh, you know, what you're trying to pursue and what you're trying to achieve with, uh, your career and everything. Um, uh, it's, it's really just hard, a lot of hard work and just a little bit of luck, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm hoping that I'm playing some more bigger places, uh, five years from now. 
you know, yeah, I, I, I hope I'm, I'm on tour a couple months out of the year and, uh, and then I, and hopefully I'm coming home to somebody to, uh, uh, you know, rub me down a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always sore after tour, <laughs> after crouching over a keyboard yeah. and, and head banging and thrashing <laughs> around. Um, you know, it, it would just be nice to come home to somebody who would, uh, who would give a little bit of a shit, you know, yeah. that I was gone for a while. So, I feel you. yeah. All right, some goals to set down the road. Yeah. Other than that, there's a, a lot of artists. Sometimes, I think 2018, at least for me, I'm a big hip hop fan. I saw a lot of, uh, hip-hop artists kind of going to the experimental stage do you see yourself experimenting with any other genre that you are not too familiar with oh absolutely i think that's like part of the fun Mm -hmm. you know you get to do whatever you want to do um which is uh it's it's interesting that you say that because um i play uh i play with empty angels and allegheny which is more of like a an indie uh very um very jazzy very uh uh, kind of kind of alternative in a way um, uh, as far as genre goes. Uh, but then I turn around and I'm playing with James Cook and I'm touring um, and and that's that's mainly country. you know that's that uh, there's a little bit of blues, a little bit of southern rock in there. Um, uh, actually very um, uh, very similar to Grissom Hill that I talked about earlier. Um, uh, it's very bluesy and stuff, uh, but def- definitely country heavy, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we played, you know, Outlaws and Legends Festival. It, okay, it was, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, it's nothing but country artists. Um, so, w- which is interesting, not growing up, uh, whatsoever, um, in, in the country scene. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't know any of these people that I'm talking to, who I'm meeting. And, and there's, there's a little bit of a part of me that really thinks that I I should probably be studying a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh, in the genre that's paying my bills right now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Just because like all of these things keep happening and it's, it's a little bit unfortunate uh, uh, that it's me instead of someone else who would, who would maybe uh, appreciate it on a more deeper level than I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I'm, I'm obviously aware of that these people are, are just legends in, in the genre and everything. And and they're just absolute stars, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's unfortunate that I can't appreciate that fact at a, at a very personal level, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, but it, it, so with, with that going and, uh, empty angels and all that, I also do the EDM. So I, I already in my current position, I'm, I'm doing some genre bending, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I'm getting to have my, my hand in a couple different styles of music, uh, which keeps me on my toes, I feel like. Um, and, um, and I, I encourage anybody to do that, you know, really step out of that comfort zone and, um, and just try try and do as much as you can Mm -hmm. and just try and be as like busy as you possibly can be, you know? But, uh, um, I think for, for my personal stuff, my solo stuff, um, I don't know. I, I kind of like the, the electronic feel of things very, you know, lo-fi and, and all of those sub genres that go into electronic music, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, I mean, even hip hop and, and trap and everything, that's kind of considered a little bit electronic yeah. because most of those instruments are being produced on uh, yeah, nothing but electronic samples and and all that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's fun uh, doing doing different things with genres is always a good thing. It's it's never going to be a bad thing. For yeah. sure. So do you have any dream tour destinations, dream places that you would like to perform at? Uh, anything that you kind of want to set yourself, you know, it doesn't have to be in the five years, but anywhere down the road that you would love to basically perform at that venue or in that city. Oh, yeah. Um, I would love to play um, at the Red Rocks in Colorado. Um, that's uh, that's a pretty big. Uh, that's that's a big thing for me. Um, anybody playing at the Red Rocks Amphitheater uh, over there, I think it's around like Denver or something like that. I don't know exactly the, the town, but. Um, uh, but as soon as I say Red Rocks, if, if you know, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a super cool place to be able to play. Like the scenery is super awesome. Uh, um, I saw whenever, uh, one of my favorite EDM, uh, producers, uh, Tycho, uh, super chill music. Uh, that, that's the kind of music that you can just smoke and, and just kind of zone out and, and just relax too. It's really nice. Um, I, I remember him posting his pictures of the Red Rocks and, uh, and Lewis Cole and Nowhere uh, got to play at the Red Rocks last year. Um, uh, so that's definitely one of the, one of my main places, but, 
but other than that, though, j- to be to have a chance to go overseas at all, mm-hmm. th- I mean, that would just In a heartbeat. Th- that would know that would let me know that that's like that is such a huge marker in anybody's career. Right, is the first time going overseas for a gig, anything music related. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, that is such a big milestone for anybody. I have yet to uh, get that milestone, but um, you know, I think it's coming pretty soon, man. There's a lot of stuff happening right now to where I can't really rule anything out, you know? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Is there anything, I'm, I'm kind of out of questions, but is there anything you want to kind of promote yourself or ask me or just kind of also throw in there? Well, I appreciate everybody who's been listening to this this far. Um, uh, we've been talking for a while. Uh, it's been a really nice conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, through this whole podcast, I've, I've mentioned multiple bands and everything, multiple producers. Uh, it, it would it would be awesome if you went ahead and uh, uh, checked out some of those guys uh, you know, some of those Denton bands, you know, Bad Dad Jokes, uh, Kyoto Lo-Fi, Mr. Breakfast, Empty Angels, uh, Allegheny Drive. Uh, you won't be able to spell that one, but that's okay. Nobody can. <laughs> um, uh, James Cook, uh, uh, we just released our single, uh, two or three weeks ago, I believe. Um, it's at, uh, I think as of today, it's around 84 on the charts right now, which is pretty nice, you know, top mm-hmm. 100, um, uh, which is super cool for Texas, you know. Uh, I think opening week, it was, uh, uh, it was in a pretty good spot opening week, but anyway, um, all of that stuff can be found on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, uh, and, uh, I, I play all the time with James. So, uh, and we go all over, all over Texas. So, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those dates can be found on, on the James Cook website and, uh, and Facebook, James Cook music, um, uh, and then all all of my solo stuff, it's it's all on everything's on SoundCloud, and I have download links, so you can download it for free. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you again for hopping on, and uh, best of luck to you in the future. And I hope you, I hope to continue to see you grow in this music industry. For sure, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. Thanks again to all that listened to the latest episode, the conversation I had with Ian Clark. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did interviewing him. Again, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com. If you can, leave us a rating and a review at your earliest convenience. Again, you can check out Ian Clark's work at SoundCloud.com slash Ian Jeremy Clark. No underscores or capitalizations. But yeah, again, the Podfathers podcast is going through a rebranding process. We're going to be changing names in the coming weeks. We're still going to be putting out content until that logo, until that title is done. And uh, it's going to be exciting because there's a lot going on in April. Fun times. Hope you guys are enjoying April as much as I am. Last but not least, I want to shout out Ian Clark for the instrumental playing in the outro. Thank you for being a very hospital guest for me and allowing me to interview in your home. Best of luck to you in the future in your career. Again, I'm Noah Alvarez signing off for the Podfathers podcast.